Welcome, everyone, to the post-saver era of at DC Beer. We are at DC Beer across social media, and it's the year in rebrew. Not review. Get it? Get it? Yay! Brandy, what are you drinking? Damn it, Jake. I was going to say beer end review, but it's the same thing. Um, I am actively drinking a um, delicious cotton reed eggnog out of a moose jug glass, like uh, Christmas vacation. But I was drinking a Port City Porter. Shout out to Port City for always making this damn good porter for me to be drinking. So, Mike, what are you drinking over there? What's in your stein? What's in my stein? Not Chevy Chase's Stein. Uh, <laughs> y- y'all can't see it, but Brandy has this killer moose. It's like a double double holding glass. You got antlers on either side, and it's the only appropriate beverage for eggnog. But in my Stein this evening is Monotonous Miles, the Belgian-style Pilsner from Other Half DC, collaboration with their friends Halfway Crooks. It's just a darn good pilsner it's a dynamite pilsner it's super hoppy but it's also super crisp and light despite it being just a shade over five percent abv it's dynamite i don't have any good puns beer beer in review or new brood whatever but brandy i want to know you've got some 2022 faves some cheers some jeers and some things to come Tell us what's on your agenda. What did you love about 2022? What's coming down the pike? Yes. So I didn't do any upcoming uh, events, but I, because this year was such a great year, I feel like. Um, I'm going to start out with the pros. I'll try to go fast because I know we got to get through everything. Pros. Bringing on Jordan to the DC Beer Crew. Shout out to Jordan. Love you. He's actually doing trivia at Other Half right now. Hell yeah, right? Yes, we love you, Jordan. Um, Thank you. uh, Also, another two other humans that I want to shout out. Andy Mac Williams, the Andy Awards. Andy from our beer shares. He is an incredible human. I'm so glad I got to know him this year. Tom of Proof Creative. So thankful for Tom. That's a pro. And then here is the pros list for me. The Frederick Beer Festival. That was dope. All of our beer shares, Lost Generation opening, Ron Pattinson at Church Key, Battle of the Barrel Age Beers, Denizens for the Win, the recording of our 50th show at Do Drop In, followed by City State, witnessing and applauding all of the Black and minority breweries bringing it, Last Call Salute to American Latinos and Beer at the Smithsonian American uh, History Museum, The Good Word brewery tap takeover at the green zone right before snally pride for dc as atlas wins at gabf my asl classes i took at streetcar 82 and some of my brandy and jake beer field trips i'm so glad i had some fun field trips with jake oh some of my field trips some of my top favorite beers of the year just just some of them lost generations grave shift sankofa's oko the farm rice ale Wheatland Spring had two for me, Long Shadow and Chocolate Stout. Uh, the Long Shadow, which is the Chocolate Stout and the Field and Vine. Hellbender's Long Grain Lager. Elder Pines, The Last Lights Are All Fire, which was a red ale aged in red, red wine barrels. Other Half's Monotonous Miles, <laughs> which, which Stein is drinking tonight. Soul Mega's Bison Blood, that was fantastic. 
And Streetcar 82's Unified Red, which got me through my my heat going out at the beginning of the year. And just a couple of cons, actually. Three Stars Closing, Rocket Frog Closing, and all the random crappy drama that went on behind the scenes, really, that we kind of knew about. Um, and losing some really great folks who worked at certain breweries. So th- those were my cons. I'm sure there were more cons, but honestly, it was not a bad year. And I am very thankful for all my beer fan uh, family and my all the beer that I had. So, yeah. Jake, what are you drinking? We skipped what you're drinking, boo. Oh, my gosh. No, no, no. I'm not offended <laughs> at all. Um, earlier, I had a Chuck Sal Pale Lager from Triple Crossing in Richmond, thanks to the excellent beer fairy magic of Brandy. Um, it's 4%. I'm guessing it's like 9 Play-Doh. Um, it's phenomenal. I think it's... It, it might be the best lager in Virginia, in the Mid-Atlantic. I love it. Um, I drank it about five minutes. Uh, Triple Crossing lagers. Mwah. Shout out to Triple Crossing. I had a lovely time there. Yeah. Glad I could be your beer mule. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> then I moved on to a more whaleish lager. Um, right now I'm drinking um, New Glarus Gyrator um, Doppelbach. It's a little on the... It's like that sweet rye bread side it's got like an awful lot of molasses to it yeah i'm not i'm not mad about it it's very cold outside it's eight percent brandy what's up i needed i need to tell you guys real quick i was at other half this past saturday for a pop-up and you guys know how other half always does these really super sweet stouts and like insanely sweet sugary sweet they had this coffee stout that was like 5%. It was perfection. It was perfection. So shout out to other half for finally doing a not, you know, puckery. Oh my God, I can't drink the sweet um, stout that I, I drank like two of them. Uh, it was so, so, so well done. So if you haven't had that, everybody go get that before it's not on tap. So, so they have a stout yeah. that I won't turn into uh, brownies. Good for them. Yes. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. What What are some of your pros and cons, Jake? Oh, I mean, I echo the cons of Rocket Frog and Three Stars. Um, that really sucked. But I'm looking forward to in 2023, uh, we started this year with Solace opening down by Audi Field, Buzzards Point, Navy Yard, what have you. They would like to brew in that spot. Aslan opened up in Logan Circle. They'd like to brew in that spot. Again, just a one-barrel system, keeping it very small. Um, and Crooked Run is going to open up by Union Market in the first, really third, if not the first couple months of 2023. And they're going to, I believe, be trucking wort in and then um, fermenting it, perhaps hopping it, and doing some other things with it over by Union Market. And so we've got some brewery closures, and that sucks. Uh, we're going to see more closures, uh, but we're going to have Maryland, three. Yeah, we're going to have three Virginia breweries in DC by the end of 2023. That all—it's not just a tap room experience; they're all going to be brewing, and I think that is pretty pretty cool. Um, I like that a lot. Um, we saw one failed merger between Silver Branch and Old Ox. I suspect that, especially in Northern Virginia, 
we'll see some uh, successful mergers and probably more than a few closings as well. I know that we've been talking up other half an awful lot. Um, to one of the most pleasant surprises for me is that you know they came here as this reputation for this hazy lager factory in the new pastry town with these imperial stouts that um, I can't hang with, and I end up producing and then turning into brownies and delivering them to brandy. Uh, they were delicious, thank you. Yeah, they were delicious. If anyone um, ever wants to deliver brownies, edible brownies to my front door, I will never say no. So yeah, edibles, brownies, <laughs> edible brownies. Yeah, we get it. But for me, I mean, the the lockers from other half have they're they're banging. I mean, they opened they opened up this year with that collab with Schilling for their eighth anniversary lager that was mm. very nice, and they're closing it out with this halfway crooks one, Mike, that you were just drinking, and so I think that's super cool, especially given the the capacity that they have, um, and so certainly here is to more other half lagers. I'm really yeah. proud of them. I'm happy about it. Like the the poetry sna- snaps and the citrus snaps and yeah, yeah the pivo snaps is very nice. Oh, the pivo was good. Oh, they yeah. could have come in here with big egos. They've they've kept it very humble. Yeah, I was at other half the other day talking to Daniel Terones, the uh, head brewer, and it's quite remarkable how humble he's remained, hungry all the time, and everybody on his production staff you know, in the employ of other half is just absolutely ravenous to make the best beer possible. And it's really inspiring, right? Like, uh, you know, you are what you love, not what loves you back. And if you love making a high quality product, DC is becoming a wonderful beer town. Um, you know, we, we've got the small, small producers, uh, the brick and mortar, like, uh, the public option. Uh, we have wonderful beer brands like, uh, urban garden brewing, um, and you know, then there's massive outfits like, uh, other half, other half is the largest brewer in DC. Um, they make the most beer in the city and yet they're not resting on their laurels. They are grinding very hard to make the best beer possible. And I think it's really inspiring when you look at a uh, smaller, smaller operations, like the public option, like urban garden brewing, and then the biggest being other half, they all want the same goal, which is to make the best beer possible. Um, and it's something that gives me great joy going to 2023, knowing that all of the brewers are aligned in that goal to deliver the best product possible, uh, which is something that Thor Cheston, the co-founder of, of Right Proper, talked about um, as I spoke with him in our interview for this episode. I am here with Thor Cheston, who is co-founder of Right Proper Brewing Company. We've got a wonderful Right Proper Brewing Company celebrating uh, their nine-year anniversary. Um, and then we also have Right Proper Brewing Company Brookland Production House celebrating their seventh anniversary. Uh, Thor, congratulations on the anniversary. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, to be honest, I, I actually, I was a year off uh, this year. I thought oh. we were turning 10. <laughs> and I thought we were turning 10 and 8. And then it was reminded that was I was a year ahead. Uh, time doesn't exist yeah. since, since 2020. It's, yeah, it's a flat circle. It's yeah. a construct. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, 2023, 50, 50, 48 depends. You know yeah. which calendar you're consulting. So I like to say that you know nine years in in brewery years is like brewery production years. Nine years is ninety human years. Yeah. So if you are the owner of a ninety year old business in expanded time. 
what are you most proud of in the nearly a decade that Right Proper Shaw has been open? And what what really, you know, is is still a success to you after seven years of operating the Brookland Production House? Super big question. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, if you had asked me where we were going to be nine years from now, you know, uh, the day we opened our doors and Shaw back in December of 2013, I don't even know what would have come out of my mouth. But I can tell you it, it would have been nothing, um, nothing like a, a description of, of what we are today as a brand for sure. You know, um, you know, Leah and I, we ate at our own brew pub, uh, you know, as a family a week ago. And, you know, I exclaimed, I was like, this is my favorite restaurant in the city. I was like, I love this place, <laughs> you know, like, and I was, you know, one of those kind of moments of clarity where you're able to take an objective, you know, mm. view mm. of your own work. And, um, you know, the food is so good, you know, the, just looking at the beer list, you know, it's just packed full of creativity. And, you know, also on that same beer list are some of the best selling beers in, in the city, you know, and, and, you know, the staff is amazing. The environment's amazing, you know? And so I was just, you know, it, it's a, it was a really nice moment. And the brew pub side of things, I, you know, we are immensely proud of, you know, Leah has done such an amazing job with that place since she took, took the reins in 2015, I think it was. Um, and, you know, it continues to be a staple of the neighborhood. It continues to be an anchor for, for that part of Shaw. Um, we are having a lot of difficulty, um, in terms of just the neighborhood is not as inviting as it once was. And it, you know, it took a turn, um, during COVID and it has not bounced back the energy and life and vibrancy that was there when we opened and, you know, through 2017 and 18 and, and 19, it's, um, it has not returned. And so we are, we're working diligently uh, with city leaders across the board, across all departments in an effort to re-energize that part of the city and bring a lot of positive energy back because it's, it's truly lacking right now. Um, but for the production facility, you know, the brew pub is still our creative outlet. That's where we get out all of our creative juices where you know that's where we do we've transferred all of our entire wild program down to the brew pub so we we used to we used to do fooder aging and uh we used to make berliner weiss style beers up at our, our brooklyn facility we used to employ Britannomyces and and lactobacillus but no longer uh, do we do any of that at Brooklyn? So we have moved all that entire program down to Shaw. So we have a wild room there. That's where we keep all the bugs. And uh, Brooklyn is now a completely clean brewery in terms of it's it's entirely brewer's yeast. It's always clean, but uh, by clean I mean clean brewer's yeast. And so we're brewing. Essentially, Brooklyn is a factory for raised by wolves, Senate beer, and low wit. The demand for those beers has increased and we have developed much, uh, you know, a pretty sophisticated um, distribution channels for them. And so now that really turned into an efficient production facility 
where our goal is that 90% of the revenue for that business comes from supplying the wholesale channels. And then 10% would be, you know, we still sell beer at farmer's markets and we sell beer out of our tap room there as well. But the main purpose of that business is to sell into distribution and to build what we call the core right proper brand. So raised by wolves, Senate beer and, and low wit. That's a, a wonderful rundown of nine and seven years. And I have to say, I'm enjoying uh, Raised by Wolves nice. right now. Which, you know, I can point. remember when this can had a sticker on it, right? Yeah. And now it's a printed can, yeah. nary a sticker in sight. You've got a dry hop pale ale at the top there. And I remember nine years ago, uh, still thinking how rare dry hop pale ale was. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I remember nine years ago, it was a big deal that you... You had been knighted, but you were a knight of the Belgian mash staff. You know, prior to yeah. opening right proper, you had worked at Pizzeria Paradiso and Brasserie oh, Beck, yeah. and, and were very, you know, <clears throat> uh, influenced by the growing restaurant scene in the city and the influence from a field with all of these, um, you know, uh, diplomats and dignitaries and folks who wanted to embrace the DC nightlife. And then folks who were in town knowing that DC had a robust nightlife and it was just about making connections. And um, But I have to say that despite Raised by Wolves tasting arguably the best it ever has, the creativity at the Shaw Brew Pub at Right Proper Brewing Shaw on T Street right next to the historic Howard Theater is just cranking the creativity out. Right. Oh, I, yeah. I, I saw you there a few weeks ago. Um, you had not one, not two, I think three, maybe four saisons on, yeah. you know, with Britannomyces and lactobacillus, oh, yeah. wonderful beers, uh, some with grapes grown in your your own backyard, some mm. with um, uh, pineapple sage from from the Arboretum in D.C., just wonderfully creative and expressive beers. Um, tell me a little bit about Shaw, you know, uh, the original, the nine-year-old facility now. Um, some of the sour beers, who's brewing the beer there? Are there plans to keep the sour program to turn it over? What's happening in, at Right Proper Shaw? So Lily is the lead brewer there. She's um, She's been in charge for a while and we absolutely love her. Um, she works in tandem with Barrett. So Barrett is our director. Barrett Lauer is our director of brewing operations and see he oversees both the brew pub and the production facility. Um, and so he's down at the pub usually one day a week helping Lily out the rest of the time it's, it's entirely her show. And so a lot of that creativity comes from her. Um, she is a really great at making tons of connections and networking. And so she's constantly doing collaborative projects from with people. I mean, it's like, it's, you know, she, always, she learns that someone's going to be in town. She's, you know, she's getting them to come in and brew a beer with her. You know, it's so That's there's awesome. just, tons and tons of stuff has come out of there you know very quickly we learned to just to trust her instincts and trust her palate and her her abilities as a brewer and so much creativity has come out of that um her ability to keep the wild program going um to continually to utilize the fooders to utilize the solera sherry casks um it's really been uh very very nice and even though you know that place you know it's not packed full of beer nerds and um you know it's like beer nerds in the early evening and then 23 year olds you know going out on the town in the in the late evening even though that that vibe's not there we've we've really worked hard to maintain that creativity and maintain that level of execution and presentation 
And as you said, it remains to be a very, very special place for, you know, those who appreciate fine, creative craft beer. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the question my editor, Jake Berg, is forcing me to ask you, which is, will Right Proper be the first brewery in D.C. to a make non-alcoholic a non-alcoholic beer? beer? You know, <laughs> you, we, we've looked extensively into it. Um, so... Mm. <clears throat> you know, the short answer is no, we are not going to make a non-alcoholic beer. Okay. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, and there, there's a compromise in there, Mike, I promise. Mm. Or Jake, 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 there's a <laughs> yes. compromise in there, buddy. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> we have uh, one thing that we have uh, historically been very good at, even back when Nathan was brewing there uh, back in the early days, was making very good, very flavorful very low alcohol beers, you know, that are packed full of, of flavor and aroma and lots of character and, you know, incredibly low alcohol, you know, below mm-hmm. 3%. We've, we've done a lot. Mm-hmm. So what we are looking at is doing, uh, finding a recipe that we're all happy with um, that would service as, um, as, as a nice, you know, uh, super low alcohol option. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of doing non-alcoholic, no, because we don't want to enter into a space that we can't, that we're not 100% confident that we can uh, execute well. And to do non-alcoholic beer well, we don't have the facility to do it. You know, there's, mm. depending on your approach, you know, it could be a, an investment in an in equipment that could get into the six figures, you know, and mm. Mm. Right now, you know, we're a very small brewery, you know, given, given our two facilities, uh, you know, our Brookland facility based on the beers that we're making there and their sales velocity, our production capacity there is just 6,500 barrels. And um, we're probably going to hit that next year. So even, you know, we, we just don't, we don't have room for it. And yeah. even if we did, yeah. I, I just, I, I'm not confident that we, we would be able to do it well. And we really want to do things well. I mean, the last thing I want yeah. is something going out that just tastes like unfermented wort. You know? Right. right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a valid concern. I think there's a lot of small, medium, and even some regional independent breweries that recognize um, the investment they would need to put in. And it seems that effectively the juice is not worth the squeeze. But I I would be remiss to not pay, you know, Athletic out of Connecticut. They have a bi-coastal operation. They just opened or are opening another facility in Connecticut. Three Notch, you know, further south in Virginia, they have a wonderful non-alcoholic IPA. It seems like They've taken all the steps. I don't know if they're flash pasteurizing or have a dedicated, you know, uh, infrastructure towards that. But mm-hmm. it's kind of remarkable to see. And then the question is how great the growth that non-alcoholic beer has. Is it sustainable? What is the future? And looking into our glowing orb, nobody has any idea what the future holds. Yeah. Uh, on some level, outside of that, you know, uh, pale ale and IPA will continue to sell well. Some things are tried and true, but, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting. As we, as we switch, I want to kind of shift the focus from what could be, you know, maybe pie-in-the-sky goals eventually for a DC brewer to make an, an NA beer um, to what you have grown in the last nine and seven years, which which is two wonderful breweries, one in Shaw, one in Brookland. What do you see this growth that Right Proper has experienced 
uh, overlapping with what the guild, the DC Brewers Guild, um, of course, this is the guild that advocates for the breweries in DC. Uh, we've got a dozen, um, maybe more than 12, if we consider our brick and mortar, uh, you know, as well as our beer brands, Urban Garden, Soul Mega, Sankofa. Um, what are we looking for in 2023, both in terms of what right proper the independent brewer wants and then the guild, what sort of the advocacy goals are uh, for the Brewers Guild in, in 2023? You know, uh, if, if we all remember, you know, we lost a, a very good brewery this year, you know, three stars closed. I think we write proper our strategy as a business, and we are a business, um, is to remain, you know, it, a good portion of our business right now comes from the distribution of three beers. Um, that was that that was a, a, a plan. Um, that was a business strategy and a plan to zero in on those beers. We can, we can, we can streamline production. We can streamline purchasing. Um, we can hone in and really get behind brands and build brands. Um, and we have also been able to invest in the infrastructure to support the production of those three beers. You know, my job at this point is to make that production facility work as a business. And so there is a certain amount of beer that we can produce there that uh, equates to a certain amount of revenue. And then my job is to make sure that the business works with in that revenue, within the confines of the revenue that comes from the amount of beer that we're able to produce there, um, it you know it's, it sounds very unglamorous. You know, it's, it's <laughs> there. There isn't what my day to day job is is very far removed from the romanticism and the pageantry that um, I fell in love with when I first got into to craft beer. You know, it is my job is to make the business work. Um, that being said, um, it's very expensive to operate a business in the city, as I'm sure anyone can imagine. And uh, I think that, you know, a term that can be used for breweries like our production facility, uh, DC Brow, uh, Three Stars, is that we're boutique manufacturing. And so that means that we are competing against much, much larger companies that have much grander um, economies of scale. Um, and we're competing with them for the same shelf space. And so, and we're competing with them um, within the same pricing as well. And we are at a distinct disadvantage because our real estate costs are almost assuredly uh, much higher. Um, are, we're purchasing ingredients and packaging supplies in smaller quantities. And so we're purchasing them at a premium. And so the boutique manufacturing in a city like Washington, D.C. can be very difficult. That being said, I think, you know, those homegrown brands, you know, we're all maturing now. You know, uh, Three Stars was 11 years old when they closed. D.C. Brow is 12. Atlas, I think, is 10, 11. Um, you know, we're nine. And, you know, we're, we're starting to mature as brands. And, you know, our brands are being associated with the Washington, D.C. experience, you know. And if I think a good part of the guild's responsibility, I hope, moving forward is to bring attention to the DC brands and to remind people, you know, in as, you know, in a gentle way that if 
if we're not supporting the DC brands, they are going to go away. If we're not making the choice to to pick up a six pack of Public Ale or Ponzi IPA or Raised by Wolves, those beers are going to go away. You know, a lot of us we are relying on a distribution network that relies on people walking into whether it's you know Cairo Liquor on Seventeenth Street or or Costco, you know, to to make the choice to to support the local brands. And I guarantee you, our beer is better just by virtue of the Mm -hmm. fact that it's made right here in D.C. It is fresh beer. Fresh beer is always better, is always better. Yeah, that's very well said. As we remind our listeners time and time again, support local. Buy the brands you want to be there tomorrow, next year, five years, 10 years from now. Uh, It's imperative that you support local. And then your dollars go further when you plunk down for that six pack of Raised by Wolves. You're paying the local, be it Cairo Liquor, the big, be it, you know, giant Safeway, whomever. Those dollars go back into the community because they're going to Brookland. They're going to Shaw. You're keeping small business in business in the District of Columbia. And, you know, our business is healthy. You know, we're doing well we're strong, we're getting stronger. Um, but at the same time, we are reliant on, you know, the vast majority of the beer that we sell is within Washington, D.C. And so we are relying on the people who come, who make Washington, D.C. their home to continue to support us, you know. And um, we make great beer. I, I don't doubt that we're, we're going to be around for, you know, a, quite, quite a long time. And that, that is the plan. However, you know, sometimes I cringe because our beer is a little bit more expensive on the shelf than other than other sure. brands, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's certainly been a time of of belt tightening, which is ironic as it's been a time of record profits for a lot of the largest uh, corporations in America, but one thing I like to remind people, specifically beer drinkers and those interested in beer history is that this town used to have four breweries before prohibition. So we're talking 1917 and earlier. Uh, making 50,000, 100,000 or more barrels a year. And that is more than the cumulative. All 12 of those production and beer brands in D.C. didn't brew 100,000 barrels cumulatively Mm -hmm. last year. So there Mm -hmm. is certainly room, at least turning to the past and looking at the historic record for growth, right? The question is, um, can we continue to grow all of these wonderful brands at a clip that encompasses everybody in the city, whether they drink beer and have for a while, whether they're brand new to it, or are just dipping a toe, right? Are coming from the wine or the spirit world and are interested in what independent small breweries, small owned businesses have to offer them. Mm-hmm. Now, you you really hit the nail on the head there, Mike. I mean, you talk about, you talk about the Hyrick Brewing operation alone. I mean, they had a capacity of 200,000 barrels. I mean, it's just, it's massive. <laughs> Absolutely massive. Yeah. And, you know, so there, there's a tremendous amount of beer that is that is consumed here in Washington, D.C. And, you know, we I know that my good friends, Justin Cox from Atlas and Brandon Skull from, from D.C. Brow and all the other brewery owners are working very, very hard to produce quality, quality beers that that people will will gravitate towards and and choose overall choose all over all the the other options that are out there. Yeah, well said. 
Thor, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us on the DC Beer Show. We really appreciate you. I thought That's we were it. hanging out all night, man. <laughs> I know we were just getting going. We didn't. We um, didn't talk about Senate beer. We didn't. Oh we, man. Oh <laughs> God. We could go. Have me back. Invite. Invite me again. I will. I will. And you know what? It's going to be December 2023 when we blink. Uh, and it will be then be 10 and eight years uh, yeah. officially for the pub and the production. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, listeners, join us at Shaw at uh, Right Proper Brewing Brew Pub at, on T Street. Join us in Brookland. Uh, Thor, thanks again. We really appreciate your time. My pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking to you guys. And, um, you know, come by and see us. And, uh, you know, email me, Thor, at rightproperbrewing.com. Call me, text me, 202-247-6274. I love talking shop. I love chatting chatting about beer. So if you want to come by and see the facility, please hit me up. I'd love to, love to show you guys around. That's wonderful. Thank you again to Right Proper Brewing Company. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Thor. That will be the final guest of 2022. And here's to 2023. Um, New Year's Eve coming up. We know that there are a bunch of breweries and bars and beer-centric places that are doing the New Year's Eve parties and such. Um, Many of them ticketed and all you can drink. Um, Please imbibe safely. Tip all the time. Be excellent to each (laughs) other. For sure. I really want to hear everyone's pros and cons beer wise of the year so twitter instagram show highlights make a real tag dc beer i i want to feel joy or pain (laughs) are your joy or your pain from all of the things that you had this year beer wise and uh all the places that you went to so tag us we genuinely like to see it I, i know that you may think that we don't but we really do so tag us thanks jake thanks mike Happy, happy 2022. It's been great. Don't you mean, Brandy? Happy brew year. Aw, tis the drinking season. <laughs> happy brew year, DC Beer fam. See you in 2023. Bye.